This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. New video from the integrated homicide investigation team to show you tonight connected to the latest brazen shooting in Surrey. It happened around 6 p.m. on Saturday in Clayton Heights in an area busy with shoppers. A man was shot and killed while sitting inside his vehicle at a gas station. Tonight, investigators are releasing two new pieces of video evidence, one showing the suspect described as a black male crossing Fraser Highway nearly being hit at least twice, and a second video showing what's believed to be the suspect's getaway vehicle driven by a second suspect, also described as black. Investigators want to hear from anyone who observed the vehicle or remembers the man crossing the street or who may have dash cam footage. What sticks out for us is that this person, our shooter, ran across and actually almost got hit by one of the cars going, going eastbound. Uh, and when he ran back, he obviously, in a rush, almost got hit again. So we're appealing to uh, the drivers of the vehicles in the photograph. Again, this is just after 6 p.m. on Saturday evening. If you remembered seeing a dark figure, all in black, a black male running across the street, and that stood out for you. We really need to speak with you. Now, that very public shooting is prompting calls for action tonight. The push from residents and community leaders fed up with gun violence and the very real threat of innocent bystanders getting caught in the crossfire. Catherine Urquhart reports. I have to make sure it doesn't affect him for the rest of his life. Darlene Bennett and her two sons continue to struggle. Last year, Darlene's husband, Paul, was gunned down in their Surrey driveway. His murder, a case of mistaken identity. Saturday's fatal shooting at a gas station happened only blocks away. My kids should not be growing up with this fear. My son walks by that area where the latest shooting was to go to school. Bennett is outraged more isn't being done, saying the violence in Surrey should be a federal election issue. I think they need to address the lives that are being lost because th those people mattered too. They were someone's son, daughter, wife, father. Also demanding action, the group Wake Up Surrey. I'm upset because they only talk, no action. Uh, we have to prevent, we have to work on the ground, we have to work in the schools with the elementary kids to let them know that who their role models are. Speaking in Surrey on Sunday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh promised $100 million to help keep kids out of gangs. We want to massively inject funding specifically into youth-targeted programs. Mayor Doug McCallum, speaking at the opening of an ice rink, said the transition to a municipal force is taking too long. I've heard from a lot of people in our community since um, Saturday night, and they just want us to get our police on the streets and, and, get, and get this um, gang violence um, sort of under control. For Darlene Bennett and her family, ending the gang violence, which left her a widow, can't happen soon enough. It has to stop. 
the violence needs to stop. Catherine Urquhart, Global News, Surrey. And Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria with more on why hyper-local issues such as Surrey's gun violence may gain traction in the federal election. Keith. Yeah, yeah, Sophie, there's an old saying in politics that all politics is local, and that certainly may be the case in a place like Syria, which is critically important to all three major parties' electoral chances. All three parties have won seats in that municipality in the past, and a number of them presumably are up for grabs this time. However, in 2015, I want to take a look at just how strong the Liberals were in Syria in 2015. They won all five ridings that are either in Syria or touching on Syria by significant margins, almost 30% in Surrey newton which Jagmeet Singh of the NDP actually thinks they've got a shot at winning. He was asked about why he's spending so much time in British Columbia and places like Surrey during this campaign. He's been here seven days consecutive. And here's Jagmeet Singh, the NDP's leader's response. We really want to show Canadians and show British Columbians that they have an option, that they don't have to settle for less. New Democrats will end fossil fuel subsidies, protect the environment, expand health care, help out young people, build affordable housing. These are things that matter to the people of British Columbia. They matter to me. They matter to our entire team. And we're going to deliver for them. So Singh will remain in B.C. tomorrow, Sophie, for the eighth consecutive day before heading back east, which again shows how important B.C. is to the NDP. Chances is where most of their seats likely will be on election night. But look for Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau and, of course, Elizabeth May to spend increasingly more and more amounts of time in British Columbia because this could be the time B.C. determines whether there's a minority or majority government in place on October 21st headed by either the Conservatives or the Liberals. All right, thanks for that, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou was back in court for her extradition case today, with the Crown taking a run at defense's claim that Meng's arrest at YVR last December was anything but routine. Aaron MacArthur has more on the Crown's rebuttal and why the judge wasn't having any part of courtroom theatrics. Mid-sentence, Madam Justice Heather Holmes, just before lunch, cut off Crown prosecutor Robert Freider essentially saying she would rather listen to points of law than any more of his rhetoric. It was a sharp rebuke, and it mirrored much of what happened in court today. Meng Wanzhou arrived at court this morning, ready to hear for the first time from Crown about how it intends to show there is no air of reality to what the defense argued last week. Again, calling the defense request for more documents a fishing expedition. Crown called the video evidence mundane and innocuous, saying the various email chains and notes from both the CBSA and RCMP members on hand indicates the officers were simply doing their jobs and not engaging in what defense has called a covert criminal investigation. While Justice Holmes was largely silent during the defense arguments, she spent large chunks of Monday actively questioning Crown's position and at one point chastising lawyers after releasing new documents into the record. And then in the same breath, arguing there were no other relevant documents defense could possibly ask for. Those new documents include emails between RCMP officers and the FBI, as well as communication from senior CBSA officials. Crown will pose over the next two days how CBSA officers at the airport were simply doing their job and couldn't have possibly executed an arrest warrant. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. 
The city of Vancouver has identified the roads worker killed in a workplace accident. 49-year-old Moreno Sarah spent 17 years with the city and was well-loved by his colleagues. Sarah had been called in to help on Saturday when the tragedy happened. He was working with a crew on the Burnaby side of Boundary Road at 2nd Avenue, where paving and water main work was underway. It's not clear exactly how Sarah died. BC Coroner Service and WorkSafe BC are investigating. A three decades old mystery of what happened to two BC men who went missing on a fishing trip has now been solved. Ernie Whitehead and Len DeCusen, both of Eagle Bay, BC, took off for their trip June 20th, 1987, heading for Wells Gray Provincial Park. But their White Piper Super Cub float plane disappeared. In September of last year, though, the crash site was discovered during an unrelated search near McDougal Lake. DNA evidence has now confirmed the men's identities. A rally to protect Pryor Street is attracting dozens of residents today who feel the city is failing to follow through on a decades-old promise to calm the area. They fear instead it's only going to get worse when the viaducts come down. Grace Key tells us why and what they're hoping to see happen. These Strathcona residents are upset over a City of Vancouver engineering report that recommends Pryor Street remain in arterial. For years, they've been pushing for it to be downgraded to a local serving street. If you're a mother pushing a stroller down that street, uh, you, you can't even pass another person on the sidewalk without potentially brush, getting brushed by a bus. You know, obviously dangerous for my daughter when she's here all the time and for all the other families and, and, uh, and kids that are around. Other routes were explored, but the report indicates those options were not cost-effective and there were impacts to businesses, parks and community gardens. Staff is recommending an underpass for the rail track. New, wider sidewalks would be buffered from vehicles by landscaping and protected bike lanes. And we're asking for meaningful, immediate calming measures in place to make prior safe for our communities. Council could also consider a pilot to reduce speed and volume along Pryor and Venable Street. That could include all-day parking on both sides and temporary curb bulges to improve crosswalks. Also up for consideration, downgrading it to a collector street with a 30-kilometer-an-hour speed limit near Strathcona Park. This issue is personal for Vancouver Councillor Pete Fry. He not only lives in Strathcona, but a friend was hit on the street and suffered a life-altering injury that ultimately his life. What I'd like to see happen is downgrade this to a collector, retain the right-of-ways along Malkin so that we can ensure the truck route is still functional and it can reconnect with prior at, a, at this underpass that they're proposing and then onto Venables and onto Clark. The report will be presented to City Council on Tuesday. Grace Key, Global News. Starting today and all week here on Global, we are celebrating the achievements of children with special needs and the assistance that Variety, the children's charity, has provided so that they can thrive. You, our viewers, will have the opportunity to make a huge difference in a child's life just by donating to, to Variety. Our goal is to help 60 kids per day, and tonight our friends at RBC are going to help make that happen by matching donations during the news hour. So please call 310-KIDS now, and later in the show we will have the story of Cole and his fight to recover from cancer. Right now, though, a fair and honest price for auto body repairs. Sound too good to be true? Well, that's the idea behind a new platform that aims to help drivers who've been in an accident find an estimate and eliminate the need to shop around. Ted Trenecki has more on how it works. 
We've all heard about how the smallest damage to today's high-tech cars can mean an auto-body repair bill that's crazy expensive. So many hidden sensors and integrated safety systems. Now, two entrepreneurs believe they found a way for you to save time and money, at least with the really small scratches and dents. What Yuri and I had actually done was we drove around the city looking for uh, minor repairs on, on a car we had together. And uh, we drove from shop to shop and we received price estimates ranging from $400 to as high as $1,700. Using their app, you simply upload five photos of your damaged vehicle and those body shops signed up for the program bid on the job. And because the photos are taken by the owner, the designers of AutoBuddy believe they can stop would-be fraud. When the glass gets broken on a car door or so, sometimes the paint doesn't get scratched. So an auto body shop can just make a little nick on the paint. And that claim goes from anywhere between $500 just for the glass. It could go up to $3,000 for repainting a few panels. In a phone interview, the Automotive Retailers Association says it can't see how this app will accomplish anything but encourage auto body repair shops to cut corners. But this manager with 17 years' experience believes the app does have merit, at least for small jobs. It can be pretty pretty accurate. I mean, I, I think I can get almost 90% on bang on, right, with the uh, estimates, you know, when there's small fender benders and stuff, right? Where it doesn't need recalibrations, where it doesn't need some, where it doesn't need like a, a whole front end. All do agree that for the big smash-ups, a detailed examination is a must because there can be a lot of damage hidden internally. Any estimates based on five photos will come with a lot of caveats, and the final bill might be nothing close to that very preliminary first estimate. Ted Chernecki, Global News. RCMP are warning the public about a series of robberies involving an app used to buy and sell items. The app is called Let Go. Surrey RCMP are currently investigating four separate robberies. In each of the incidents, the victims were robbed after meeting to buy a cell phone. The robbery suspects are described as two dark-skinned males in their teens. RCMP say when meeting up with unknown parties to buy or sell items, it is best to insist on meeting in a public place. A Victoria businessman is claiming to be the latest unintended victim of the B.C. government's foreign buyers tax. As Kylie Stanton reports, not only is he being taxed after being invited to immigrate to B.C., he's being dinged for a house he no longer owns. Putting in the hours to grow this business with his family by his side. It's the story of so many immigrants happy to be calling Canada home. I love Taiwan, but I, I just want my kids to grow up here. But now all of that is hanging in the balance. This one is uh, from August. Eric Chang is facing a bill of roughly $269,000 and counting. These are interest already 22000 Tax charged by the province of British Columbia meant to target foreign buyers. I just feel like I'm punished. Yeah. Chang entered into a pre-sale contract for this home in Coquitlam back in the spring of 2016 with the help of his sister, who is a Canadian citizen. She was on title for 98%, while Chang and his wife held just 1% each. But by the time the deal had closed, the then 15% foreign buyer's tax introduced by the B.C. Liberals had come into effect. It has since gone up under the NDP. And so have the bills. All the while, Chang was accepted into the provincial nominee program. He's now waiting on his permanent residency application. So one arm of the province of BC says, please come here and invest your money. And then the other arm of the province says, we don't want you here. Here's a huge fine that you have because you're Chinese, so go away. An appeal to the Ministry of Finance was denied. Now Chang is taking the matter to court. 
he won't be able to afford to stay here if he has to pay this. The government has confirmed it's aware of the case. In a statement, the Ministry of Finance said, as this case will likely be before the courts, it would be inappropriate to comment on the specific matters that have been raised. And so Chang is preparing for the worst-case scenario, selling his assets to pay the bill, putting him in violation of his agreement under the provincial nominee program and being forced to return to Taiwan. I feel like I'm robbed. I'm being robbed by by BC government. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A health announcement south of the border is increasing pressure on the B.C. government to take action on the growing health controversy surrounding vaping. Linda Ellsworth has the details on an emergency move by the governor of Washington state and whether B.C. will follow suit. How many do you need? Because the flavor ban goes in on the ninth. In Washington state, the rush is on to stock up on flavored vaping liquids. Because if the governor gets his way next month, they will be banned. I am confident this executive order will save lives. I am confident it will save children from a lifetime of nicotine addiction. The impetus behind the emergency ban, over 800 serious lung illnesses and a dozen deaths throughout the U.S. all linked to vaping. Many of those affected youths. Bubblegum, raspberry, cinnamon and the like. These flavors exist for one reason and one reason only, and that is to make them more appealing to young children. Children who are becoming addicted to nicotine, not just in the States, but here at home. I would agree, the BC Lung Association would agree to ban all those flavorings that has been targeted for the youth. Does our government agree? I appreciate the focus on flavoring. But is the BC government planning to follow the example set by a growing number of U.S. states and ban the flavored liquids? That's largely a federal issue in Canada. They've drafted regulations. They haven't brought them into force yet, the flavoring question. The delay apparently brought about by the federal election call. The opposition thinks BC should take matters into its own hands. We could be into deep into the spring next year before we see further federal action. Uh, so I think it's very much incumbent upon uh, the B.C. government to, uh, to step up and to take action. What the province says it will do is act on the high nicotine levels in e-cigarette products. We're going to present, I think, a fairly comprehensive plan to address all the elements of the problem that we can within provincial jurisdiction. We're continuing to press the federal government to act. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A class action lawsuit has now been filed in B.C. against e-cigarette giant Juul. The claim in B.C. Supreme Court says the company misled consumers when it advertised its vaping products as being healthier than cigarettes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No, whoa, no! I am crazy. I'm totally crazy. You know why I'm doing it? Because my marriage sucks. Incredibly disturbing video released today of a school bus driver behaving erratically behind the wheel as terrified children scream and call 911. It happened in Washington State earlier this month. One student saying that, among other things, the driver passed three red lights and drove on the sidewalk. 
She's now being charged with impaired driving. She has resigned and she could face more charges. In Washington, D.C., the Democrats have ramped up their drive to investigate and possibly impeach Donald Trump. This time, they're going after one of the president's staunchest supporters as pers or his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. The president's attorney now facing a legal battle of his own tonight as three House committees subpoena Rudy Giuliani, looking for documents about his interactions with Ukraine, though not his testimony yet. Will you testify? I can't answer that question right now. It's the latest move by Democrats ramping up their impeachment push as President Trump ramps up his own attack on the whistleblower. Mr. President, do you now know who the whistleblower is, sir? Well, we're trying to find out about a whistleblower. When you have a whistleblower that reports things that were incorrect, as you know, and you probably now have figured it out, uh, the statement I made to the president of Ukraine, a good man, a nice man, knew uh, was perfect. It was perfect. When the whistleblower reported it, he made it sound terrible. Whistleblowers are protected under the law. Across the board, people have said whistleblowers need to be able to speak truth to power. My feeling is the president has gone completely against the notion of, of that statute. NBC News is also learning more about that controversial call in which the president encouraged the Ukrainian leader to search for damaging information about the Bidens, a call his former national security advisor apparently urged him not to make. Now, new information on another phone call with a foreign leader. A Justice Department official confirms to NBC News that President Trump recently asked the prime minister of Australia for help in a Justice Department effort to look into the origins of the Mueller investigation. A White House spokesperson saying late tonight the DOJ simply requested that the president provide introductions to facilitate that ongoing inquiry, and he did so. That's all. Hallie Jackson, NBC News, the White House. We are now at the halfway point of the federal election campaign, and the promises keep coming. Two party leaders who are considered front runners focused on the Toronto area today, while the NDP and the Greens campaigned in B.C. In Toronto, a city that has been heavily affected by gang and gun violence, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau reaffirmed his government's plan to ban military-style assault rifles. We want to strengthen gun control uh, with significant, real measures that are going to have an impact. Uh, and the Conservatives want to weaken gun control. Also promising to give municipalities the tools they need to enforce handgun bans. East of the city at an event announcing his party's plan to help people living with disabilities, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer wasted no time slamming the recently released Liberal platform. Higher taxes, endless deficits, bigger bills, less money in your pockets. That is the exact same platform as Kathleen Wynne but with canoes. So far, the Conservatives are the only party to have not revealed a costed platform. She is still not committing to when that would take place. Childcare is 26 years old. In British Columbia, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh also went after the Liberals, touting universal childcare by 2030. There's kids now that were born, kids that were born when this promise was first made, that are now grown up and need childcare for their kids. That's how long this promise has been going on. And again, Mr. Trudeau has turned his back on those families. The New Democrats pledged $10 billion to create 500,000 new licensed childcare spots. We really want to show Canadians and show British Columbians that they have an option. Green Party leader Elizabeth May also spent the day campaigning in Vancouver. Jamie Morocker, Global News.
It's Orange Shirt Day across Canada, a day to commemorate and recognize the victims and survivors of residential schools. In Abbotsford, people gathered for a commemorative walk, barbecue and interactive art exhibit. Orange Shirt Day is in memory of a piece of clothing a six-year-old girl had taken from her on her first day at a residential school in 1973. It's estimated more than 150,000 Native children attended residential schools. I only have my mom's sadness because um, she expresses it all the time about sitting there and wondering why her parents left her there and never came for her. But if you realize that it was the law to be taken away, we weren't, if they kept their children, they were put in jail. Nearly 3,000 children died while in residential schools. Tens of thousands of others were left with a lifetime of emotional trauma and psychological damage. Another retail collapse in Canada as a major fashion chain calls it quits. Forever 21 has filed for bankruptcy protection in the U.S. and is closing all of its 44 stores across Canada. The closure will put about 2,000 people out of work. Forever 21 blames aggressive expansion, less mall traffic and a shift to online shopping. It will keep some of its major market stores open in the U.S. Well, thousands of children across B.C. have unique special needs. Some are born with genetic conditions. Others survive traumatic accidents and still others are fighting diseases like cancer. Fortunately, Variety is there to help. When Cole was diagnosed with cancer, Variety was there to give him the support he needs to get back on his feet. He was um, completely paralyzed from the chest down to start with. He had no feeling, no movement, no nothing. When Cole was seven, he developed Ewing sarcoma, a rare and sometimes fatal cancer. The tumor that developed in Cole grew around his spine, crushing his vertebrae. It started with a backache. Then I started stumbling one day. The next day I couldn't walk. We sat in their ER all night long, and they kept poking and prodding him and trying to figure out what was going on. And the paralysis just kept spreading, spreading, spreading. They got us in the MRI and saw the tumor on his spine. Cole had surgery to remove the tumor, but its delicate position made complete removal impossible. And he had to undergo extensive radiation and chemotherapy sessions. And then I remember when the cancer was gone and we said, you're all done your treatments and they did the scans and there's nothing left. And he said, well, then why can't I walk? Cancer made his legs stop and he didn't understand why they weren't working now. For Cole to one day walk again, he needed to first get feeling in his lower extremities. His legs had to move. It was going to take time, the help of dedicated professionals, and a lot of hard work. Variety was there for Cole and his family when the best form of treatment was physiotherapy. I've got a lot of movement back in my legs and stuff. I can move a lot more than I used to. I can move, I can wiggle my toes. The physio you get with your medical covers maybe like one session a week. So with Variety, we can get two sessions. My husband was off work for 15 months with Cole in the hospital. Um, so that took a big toll on our finances. So 
we're very lucky that we've had the help we have. You're doing good. Right. He's been through more than most adults have been through in their lifetime, and he's, he's, yeah, he's he's been pretty incredible and gotten through it all with a sense of humor still. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> The voice of an angel ringing through an L.A. subway station. Almost hate to talk over it after the forecast, how this singer is hoping this viral video will turn her life around. Great acoustics in a subway station as well. All right, Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at that forecast. And I'm just glad we're here in B.C. right now. <laughs> That's right. But parts of BC actually also saw snow. But this is an image from Lethbridge, one of the hardest hit areas, close to a half a meter. But there are reports of some park areas uh, in southern Alberta getting close to a meter worth of snow. Saskatchewan also got hammered. We also saw significant snow, but mainly over higher terrain, but close to a half a meter over Pulsum Summit. Now, this is what Pulsum Summit looks like right now. So the roads are clear, not too bad. But I want to remind you, starting tomorrow, October 1st, the uh, uh, snow tire rules are in place place for all highway driving. So you must have tires with these symbols. They must have a three and a half millimeter tread on them. Trucks are required to uh, carry chains. If you don't have uh, any of these, uh, passenger vehicles could be fined up to $121. And for commercial drivers, it's even more. Meanwhile, Across our area, we've been enjoying sunshine and the sunsets have been spectacular. This is from yesterday in Prince Rupert, Abbotsford. I'll show you some more. These are incredible. Surrey, look at that. Just pinks and oranges. And look at that from Powell River there and one from Langley. Uh, this is the sunset right now. If you have a chance, go outside and enjoy that after the show is done, of course. Sunset happens just before 7 o'clock. You'll be... Uh, likely uh, enjoying another beautiful sunset just like last night, but it is going to be chilly. So last night we broke a few records, about three across the province for overnight lows. Uh, we aren't going to see that tomorrow or tonight, but it is going to be very cold. So wind chills close to minus five across the lower mainland region. We're talking about zero degrees to five degrees as our overnight low, but another sunny day expected tomorrow. It's not until Wednesday does this front move down towards our region, and that means rain towards the end of the day, although it will be mostly dry throughout the day. But this is your Tuesday, just rainfall across the north coast, otherwise mostly dry, mostly sunny across this, uh, uh, all of BC, really, uh, for one more day before the change occurs on Wednesday. So there's your five-day forecast, everyone. Late day rain on Wednesday, but one more day of sunshine to enjoy. And I'll leave you with one last sunset shot from Vancouver looking over English Bay. Very nice. Thank you, Christy. When Los Angeles police posted a video of a homeless wo woman singing, it went viral. And now the singer is hoping it will help reverse her misfortune. The LAPD tweet saying 4 million people call LA home. 4 million voices. Sometimes you just have to stop and listen to one to hear something beautiful. The singer has been identified as Emily Zamorka, a native of Russia who once earned a living entertaining with her violin until it was stolen. 
That and a series of health problems forced her out onto the streets. She's hoping the video and the notoriety will help her get back on her feet. And with a voice like that, and of course, social media, I hope feel like she'll probably get some help. I was going to say, the power of social media. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not good and other times it's brilliant. Oh, she sounded amazing. That was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Hi. Hello. How are you guys today? Good thing. Well, it's a happy Monday. It is. That was a band, actually. That was Happy a band Monday. of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, today was a day that Canucks had to put three players on waivers, and those three were Alex Biegan, Nikolai Goldobin, and Sven Berchi. If no one wants them, they go to Utica, where Guillaume Brisebois was also sent today. Travis Green had said that Godobin wasn't doing enough offensively in the preseason, and he said Berchi was average. Basically, when the Canucks added two top six forwards of Michael Furlan and J.T. Miller this summer, Berge was in danger since he's not considered a checking line option. I think, you know, kind of it's the evolution of us as a team. Like, we've, my job is to try to, you know, improve the team, sign better players, trade for better players over the summer. Um, and, you know, so we got better players in camp, so we were going to have to make tough decisions. Of the three players the Canucks placed on waivers, the toughest decision was Sven Berchi. This is a player Jim Benning traded for and watched evolve into a top six forward in Vancouver. In his four full seasons with the Canucks, Berchi scored 56 goals in 216 games. For a team always seemingly in need of secondary scoring, you'd think Berchi would fit somewhere in the lineup. But that's not the case. Well, first of all, I think he's not quite on top of his game. He wasn't. I don't think, uh, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. And uh, the lineup the way it is right now is the one that we like the most right now. Not on top of his game? Uh, I just think, I don't think he had the best camp that he's had. And, you know, that's what I mean. Sending Berchi to the minors and electing to keep Tim Schaller and Louis Erickson up at the big club is a serious head-scratcher for many in Canucks Nation. Erickson is very likely a $6 million fourth liner. Tim Schaller just under $2 million for mostly press box duty. So why again are they a better option? Well, again, defer that answer to the man who makes the decisions. It's more about the fit. Um, like if Sven wasn't going to be on our top two units uh, power play-wise, he doesn't kill penalties for us. Those other guys give us more flexibility to be, we think, third or fourth line uh, players and, and penalty killers so I think that was kind of the conversation um, that we had you know based on uh, Sven versus uh, Louis or Tim Schaller you know like I said it's kind of the evolution of where we're at as an organization where you know we have better players now and, and we're going to have to make these hard tough decisions the Canucks begin the regular season minus Sven Berchi, Nikolai Goldobin and Alex Biega Wednesday in Edmonton Jay Janor, Global Sports. Okay, so one guy who did make a big impression was Adam Gaudet. And because of the way he played, when he got to the rink this morning, Travis Green said, congratulations, you've made the team. Although Gaudet likely won't be in the starting lineup Wednesday against Edmonton, which means he has to keep working hard just to stay here. It's great. Um, you know, it shows that I put in the work this summer and they noticed it. And uh, it's a great feeling to be on the team from day one. And, you know, all I can do now is do what I've been doing to hopefully try to stick here. It was obvious that he was trying to make the team and played well. Uh, and he's got to continue to, to prove that he can play in the league when he gets in the lineup. And some good news for Brock Besser. He's out of concussion protocol. Feels a lot better. 
because of that, he probably will play Wednesday against Edmonton. The hit from behind in that preseason game out in Abbotsford by Chris Tierney of Ottawa left him not feeling well, but it didn't last long. Honestly, the symptoms weren't too bad. Um, maybe just like the day after and, and that night. Um, you know, it was really my neck. I had a lot of whiplash there. Um, so, you know, my neck was you know, sore for a good four or five days. What did you think of the hit? Obviously, uh, Tierney said that he reached out and um, you know said he's sorry and felt bad. So I appreciate that. But uh, the hit itself, uh, you know, I didn't like. Uh, I thought it was pretty dirty. So tomorrow, the Canucks will likely announce a new captain. They didn't have one last year, but they will have one this year, and it's more than likely going to be Bo Horvat. In fact, it should be Bo Horvat. He's part of the new core group. He's a guy who is respected by teammates, by coaches, by management, by the Aquilinis. And best of all, he would happily accept the role. But he claims he doesn't know if he's going to be the captain or not. Nobody has told him yet. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even to be in consideration, I think this is very humbling for me. Um, you know, at the same time, no matter if I'm wearing a CA or no letter at all, for me, I'm just going to be the, the same player, same person, and, and just try to help my team win every single night. And um, if that does happen, um, I'm going to embrace it and, and run with it and, and try to be the best leader I can. World Athletic Championships, the guy in third right now is Mo Ahmed of St. Catharines, Ontario. Was leading this race for a while, the 5,000. Dropped back to fifth, but then came on to third, and that is the third bronze for Canada at these championships. Ethiopian runners finish 1-2 with the gold going to Mukhtar Edris. There you go. The British street artist Begsy is known for having impeccable judgment when it comes to self-promotion, but even he couldn't have arranged the timing of the latest auction of his work any better. Welcome to the jungle of Brexit debate. This Prime Minister to talk about morals and morality is a disgrace! Come on! Come on! Come on then! It's like feeding time at the zoo. I, for one, am sick of it. We must moderate our language, and it has to come from the Prime Minister first. I have to say, Mr Speaker, I've never heard such humbug in all my life. That's why the upcoming auction of this 10-year-old Banksy painting is getting more attention than it normally might. As ever, the British street artist is provocative and relevant with his social and political commentary. I think there's no doubt that Today, this image has incredible currency, not just here in the UK, but across Europe and beyond. The work devolved Parliament is expected to fetch up to $3 million. The partisans who monitor Parliament's devolution the closest understand why. Yes, that's quite accurate to what's going on in there now. A bunch of monkeys. (laughs) Banksy, as an artist, uh, was very astute. It's more relevant today, I think, than it was 10 years ago. But just who would pay that much money? I think it will be bought by the Houses of Parliament to as a reminder as to what they've been doing in the House of the Commons today. Parliament should show a sense of humour and actually buy it and display it inside there. Not yeah. here. <laughs> or in there. No, <laughs> no, because they would never respect it. It's become a place of no respect. That is the problem. <laughs> Of course, the last Banksy at auction showed anything but respect to the buyer, self-destructing at the moment of sale. I can say categorically there is no shredder in this frame. Uh, It would have to be an incredibly large one. But with the enigmatic Banksy, you can always expect a little monkey business. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London.
Planet of the Apes. Yeah. <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Not entirely inaccurate. All right, today, as we mentioned, is our first day of Variety Week, and thanks to your generous donations, Variety, the children's charity, will be able to help 17 kids. Thanks. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's a great number, but know that with your help, Variety can support even more. So keep calling. 310 kids is the number or go online to variety.bc.ca and thanks to RBC for matching those donations tonight. Final word? Final word. I thought we'd just check out the sunset. Oh, oh yeah, that's nice. yes. Yes. Sunshine again tomorrow for one more day. Have a good evening. Enjoy that sun, uh, sunset, everyone. <laughs>